probably the most violent wind I've ever heard. Tonight, tragedy in West Vancouver. A tree falls onto a home. Two people are dead. Plus, winter wallop, the dump of powder in Whistler and the mess on the highway further south also. They're usually surprised. I don't usually share the story a whole lot. A blizzard baby's big birthday. The family snowed in during labor and the big dig to get them to hospital. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Beginning tonight with breaking news. The underground parkade at the Horseshoe Bay Ferry Terminal has buckled. West Vancouver Fire Rescue responded in full force late this afternoon after at least two columns gave way, possibly due to a rock slide beside the parkade. Police say the upper portion of the structure has tilted down. Fortunately, it is not believed that any people were caught nor any vehicles damaged. The area has been cordoned off as the integrity of the structure is assessed. We do have a reporter heading to the scene, and we hope to have more details a bit later in the broadcast. Meantime, residents just up the street from the ferry terminal are coming to grips with the sudden loss of a couple killed overnight when a tree came crashing down onto their home. Grace Key reports. Two people were tragically killed after a tree fell on top of their West Vancouver home. Police say a man in his 60s and a woman in her 50s both died. It happened in the Horseshoe Bay neighborhood. At about 1.30 in the morning, both were found in the bedroom. We did arrive. Um, West Vancouver Fire and Rescue Services were on scene as well. And um, they, they checked out this house that had a significant tree actually fall onto the home um, and did, it did sustain quite a lot of damage. And unfortunately, um, crews did discover um, two people deceased in the home, likely as a result of this tree falling onto the house. Neighbors say it was a husband and wife who were killed and the son was staying at a friend's house when the tree came crashing down. Many in the area say there was an incredible windstorm overnight. It seemed like every, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes you could just hear this roar coming through and then the wind would hit the house and uh, it was probably the most violent wind I've ever heard. Uh, it blew uh, patio furniture straight across the deck, uh, moved the barbecue. Yeah, it was extremely violent wind. Like I said, like no wind I've ever heard before in my life. Accessing the home to remove the bodies has been a challenge because of the instability of the home. Unfortunately, the bodies do still remain um, inside the structure and that's because it's just not safe at this point for, for crews to go in to remove them. We do have a tree removal service on scene who is um, working to, to break up the tree. It's, it's so large is what I've been told that they're having to um, you know cut as much of it off as they can and then they'll be bringing in a large crane to actually remove the, the main portion of the tree itself and then at that point um, you know specialists will have to go in and actually determine that the, the, the structure itself is safe to enter. Neighbors were too upset to speak but say the couple lived in the home for some 20 years and will be missed. Grace Key, Global News. The Lower Mainland was spared any significant snow today, but it's a much different picture in Sea to Sky Country. A massive amount of snow fell. Good news for skiers, bad news for drivers. And as Amadagahi reports, snow wasn't the only factor impacting long weekend travelers. The plows and shovelers were busy early on Sunday morning in North Vancouver with another round of snowfall hitting higher elevations of Metro Vancouver overnight. I'm done. <laughs> uh, seems like every morning, yeah. 
It's just a wet snow, right? So it's kind of hard to shovel. The city of Vancouver was mostly spared. Uh, well, this snow makes it kind of hard to walk, but it's pretty fantastic. Today we are seeing that there is more snow accumulations on the west side. Um, we still do have a response throughout the city. What fell here better described as a dusting compared to areas along the sea to sky. Where as per usual, the further north you went, the messier road conditions became. While in Whistler, an incredible 60 centimeters of snow fell overnight. This snow, what a godsend. I don't know, for all the crap, if you will, that has gone on in, in the last past year, 2021, it's great that we've got another great snow season. And for people like former Olympic alpine skier Rob Boyd, it is welcome. This snow is pretty special because it's, it's cold and dry, right down to the valley. Well, everyone's happy as long as you got out and played in it. <laughs> Back in Metro Vancouver, the snowfall may have passed, but right behind it is a warning for intense wind that has already forced the cancellation of dozens of ferry sailings. In Matagahi Global News. A serious crash has partially shut down a section of Highway 99 outside Lions Bay. Traffic on the northbound side of the highway, about six kilometers north of Lions Bay, has been at a standstill as first responders deal with the aftermath of the collision apparently between two vehicles. No word on the cause of the crash, but of course weather and road conditions have been poor. Search volunteers on Vancouver Island spent the day rescuing five people lost in the backcountry near Campbell River. Three skiers and two dogs were initially reported overdue from the backcountry of Strathcona Park before noon. Avalanche conditions dictated which terrain Comox Valley Search and Rescue could access. By early afternoon, the teams had met with the skiers and were working on getting them out when a second call came in. Shortly after four, searchers were able to bring the three original skiers and their dogs out safely, along with the other two people lost. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us now with what we can anticipate tonight. Just before I came into the studio, <laughs> looked outside pouring rain here in Burnaby Avon. Yeah, there are still waves of rain and heavy at times. Temperatures have bumped up for most areas across Metro Vancouver that it'll be falling as rain, but very windy conditions. Areas towards the east, the areas of concern still Chilliwack and towards Hope could still see an additional five and up to 10 centimeters of snowfall. It's the sea to sky. We've already seen upwards of 50 centimeters and counting. There's still an additional 10 and up to 15 centimeters that is possible through this evening before it really does ease off. And then all areas that are in red, that's the big weather story that will continue to follow this evening. Southern regions of Metro Vancouver extending in towards Victoria along the Sunshine Coast. We are seeing the potential for those winds sustained at 70 and gusts of up to 90 kilometers per hour. And we're still seeing a significant amount of snow for areas into towards the interior. If you're traveling along the mountain passes, I'll show you which mountain pass could see up to 50 centimeters shortly. Jordan. All right, Yvonne, thank you. The weather had an impact on a key Vancouver attraction. Van Dusen Garden was closed earlier today. This for people who had daytime tickets. The city said the pathways were unsafe due to accumulated snow and ice. But some good news now. The paths have been cleared and the garden reopened just in time for tonight's Festival of Lights. Well, the start of a new school term may be delayed for most B.C. students by a week as school officials try to make the classroom settings safer given the rapid spread of the Omicron variant. But it has only raised the anxiety of parents and teachers who say so much more needs to be done. Julia Foy reports. 
just a few more sleeps until five-year-old Dee goes back to kindergarten class. She's loving the learning. She has great friends. Uh, she has a wonderful teacher. But concerns over Omicron is ruining the moment. It seems that everything is really rampant in the community, and uh, I think that um, it's time to really uh, increase our, our protections whenever we can. Parents across the country are feeling skittish too. Realistically, there's going to be some kids in a class of 30 who probably have COVID. And if your kid is not feeling well, please don't send your child to school. You tuck it in and then that helps when it's on a face, it helps decrease the gaps around the sides. The first line of defense is a good mask. Not the cloth masks of yesteryear. We're done with that and we've upped our kids to N95 masks. Teachers are also pushing for free medical masks and better ventilation systems in classrooms. Those HEPA units and better masks have not been provided yet. The fact that um, children between ages 5 to 11 have only just been started to uh, get vaccinated. But finding N95 or other similar products is proving difficult. I have actually tried to order some uh, better masks for my kid and uh, I, they hopefully are shipping to me. I don't know when they're going to arrive. Burnaby based Vidicor is trying to change that and has designed a mask for children. It's an ear loop version of a respirator and uh, really it's one that's uh, made for children. Uh, to give a higher level of protection than they would see with a cloth mask or a three-ply surgical mask. Doctors say skyrocketing COVID numbers are about to test how safe our schools really are. There won't be anything to worry about, but if kids, younger unvaccinated kids end up being in the hospital, then it is something to worry about. Julia Foy, Global News. With hazardous conditions on many B.C. roads, a group of volunteer off-road vehicle and truck owners on Vancouver Island is doing their best to keep people safe and on the job. With their winter tires and four-wheel drive, they are offering rides to health care workers who might otherwise struggle to make their shifts. Nanaimo's Mark Don is one of them. He's given a free lift to dozens of health care workers in the last week. I really, really, really don't feel like I'm doing anything. I find driving joyful. I find it as therapy for me. So like if I'm going out of my way, as you guys say, to help them, I'm not. It's literally the joy of my life. They're amazing people, amazing outlook towards the world. And we all have the same goal of helping people. So why not help them get to the people to help others? There are more than 4,500 people in the private Facebook group, which started in January 2020. And drivers like Mark say they will continue to offer rides to the front line as long as the need continues. Just ahead tonight, the booster campaign gets a boost. The new timeline is thousands of invitations for a third dose are sent out. Plus, how much is your home worth this year? We'll tell you how to find out as the news hour continues. Beginning this week, more pharmacies in our province will start offering third doses with mass vaccination clinics soon to follow as the booster program kicks into high gear. And as Kristen Robinson reports, it appears B.C. is already tackling the backlog of people eligible for but still waiting for their booster. A day after the province announced it was ramping up its booster rollout, the Surrey Board of Trade president got a New Year's Day gift she wasn't expecting. At 11.30 p.m., I received a text message indicating I can register for my booster shot. I was a little bit surprised. Anita Huberman immediately booked the earliest date available. 
Others on social media sharing similar experiences about dose three notifications. And near the University of Victoria, long lines Sunday at this Saanich Mall for those who'd booked appointments. That further protection is needed, and, I, and I'm very excited to get that booster shot. Everyone 60 and older is now eligible to receive a booster in B.C. six months after their second shot. The province is also prioritizing Indigenous people, those with double doses of AstraZeneca, pregnant women, and those living or working in health care or long-term care settings. With the onset of Omicron, it became evident over those two to three weeks prior to Christmas that we're going to have to make a switch. Our intent is to get most people their vaccination or their booster dose within one to two weeks of their invitation. It will take time to clear the backlog of more than 800,000 who've waited more than six months without a booster. On Monday, the province will begin texting about one in three of those people to start booking based on who's waited the longest. Those remaining will then be invited to fill available slots, a process that will repeat until everyone waiting six months plus gets an invite. Huberman can't wait for January 12th. It's not going to protect me, I know, from COVID, but it's going to minimize my symptoms. And for me, that's really important, um, especially as I'm dealing with the public uh, every single day in my job at the Surrey Board of Trade. Once everyone 60-plus is booked, BC will start inviting those 18 and up to book a booster six months after their second dose. Kristen Robinson, Global News. An early morning fire has caused extensive damage at a tire store in Duncan. The drive through and a lean-to of the OK Tire shop on Norcross Road off Highway 1 got the worst of the fire. A large number of used tires had been stored outside the main building, serving as fuel for the fire, which sent a thick plume of black smoke into the air. That section of the highway was temporarily closed to traffic as crews worked to get the fire under control. There's no word tonight on a possible cause. A family living west of Prince George is picking up the pieces after a devastating fire Christmas Day. But from the moment their community got word of their loss, there was an outpouring of support. Caden Fanshaw of CKPG News has the story. I think it was about 45 minutes and the whole place was flat on the ground. The Shaw family is safe and sound, together in a hotel. Everything's delayed from the Christmas season, right? So we're just trying to be patient. Although not everyone made it out of the fire, which engulfed their home on Bednesty Lake on Christmas morning. Yeah, I guess the biggest loss was the pets, though. Yeah. Our two dogs, Rocky and Poppy, and then uh, Pumba. The family losing four pets and only making it out with the clothes on their back. I could hear the smoke detector going off in the basement. So I went downstairs. I thought the furnace was burning, but um, I looked at the end wall, and the end wall was on fire where our downstairs door is. I went upstairs to the room and said, girls, get out. House is on fire. Yeah. And they were going down the stairs, and I went and grabbed baby and ran down the stairs. But immediately, the community sprung into action, raising over $50,000 for the family and donations of clothing poured in. Overwhelming. Oh, it's overwhelming, yeah. Like, it's pretty, uh, it was pretty difficult at first, I guess, but with all the support, like, everybody coming by and the pats on the back and the hugs and people bringing us food and lighting the, ba- uh, the burden quite a bit. The cause of this devastating fire is still unknown, but as soon as the blaze broke out, neighbors were there to lend a helping hand, including Gavin Linton. The sky with just orange glow and the trees were silhouetted 
So I threw on some winter clothes real quick. We headed down the street and you could just see that the house was, was fully engulfed at that time. It's a major loss. Like you lose everything in such a short amount of time. Your life would just change in a heartbeat. The family says they don't need anything specific at the moment. Right now, the focus is on Nick's feet. The welder will not be able to work for months after suffering severe frostbite and third-degree burns, trying to save his pets. I don't know, maybe this week, if I can get a little more mobile, maybe I'll go take a look and see what's out there. But Caden Fanshawe, CKPG News. Victoria police are looking for the public's help to identify more graffiti vandals. These two young suspects were captured on surveillance, tagging a business in the Cook Street Village. Cook Street Liquor shared these images on social media, saying the vandals caused expensive damage around 2 a.m. on New Year's Eve. One of the suspects is wearing a navy blue, light blue and white jacket, while the other was wearing jeans with red lettering on the back. If you recognize them, Victoria police would like to hear from you. It is that time of year when we all start to wonder how much our homes are really worth. Well, wonder no more because BC Assessment published its 2022 property values online. The agency has not published its market trends data just yet. That comes out on Tuesday. But looking at random properties, you get a sense values have jumped during the pandemic. For example, a property on Point Grey Road is valued at $73 million dollars. Dig a little deeper and you see the Vancouver market has risen 11% this year. The provincial legislature is assessed at $129 million, while the Victoria market has gone up 6%. The assessments help determine what you will pay in property taxes. Just ahead, protesters cross the line in Alberta. Find out what happened when they took their message to the health minister's home. Plus, the BC man keeping plastics out of the landfill and turning them into beautiful art. That's later. All right, let's go back to our top story. The underground parkade at Horseshoe Bay Ferry Terminal in West Vancouver has buckled. Fortunately, no injuries reported. Global's Ahmad Agahi has just arrived at the scene. Ahmad, what are you hearing? Jordan, there's a bit of commotion happening behind us at the entrance to that parkade that you mentioned. I'll start with just trying to explain where this is. So this is across from the actual Horseshoe Bay Ferry Terminal. It's an overflow parking lot uh, where foot passengers are able to leave their cars for six hours at a time. What we're hearing is uh, sometime this afternoon there was a buckling, a structural uh, sort of collapse, but not certainly a collapse, but almost there. And it is uh, shut down the parking lot with a tape uh, now being uh, spread across. Not a lot of people are able to go in and get their vehicles. Now we did talk to some uh, police and fire uh, officials who were here in full force for a couple of hours this afternoon. Uh, they, they have been able to tell us that there is fortunately, like you mentioned, no injuries and no vehicles are damaged. At the time of this happening, uh, it seemed like the, the parking lot was just full of vehicles. Now, uh, a lot of people have come off the ferry and are trying to access their cars, but can't. Right now, uh, it is not known what the damage to the structure is and, and how safe it is for people to go in there. There are about three or four engineers who are going in and out trying to update the situation, but a lot of people you see there have come off the ferry, don't know what to do, they can't get their cars, and they don't know uh, if they, it's safe to go in for them yet either. 
All right, we'll stay on top of the story all night and we'll have an update at 11. Thanks to Matagahi reporting live from West Vancouver this hour. Calgary police have arrested two men following a protest outside the home of Alberta's health minister. It happened yesterday outside the home of Jason Copping. Police say about 50 people were protesting current public health orders when two men known to be in breach of a court order were noticed. In a statement, police say they will not name the men until they have been formally charged. Now, Premier Jason Kenney reacted to the protest, saying, quote, all Albertans have a right to protest peacefully. That right, though, does not extend to trespassing at private homes and harassing the families of public officials. Unfortunately, this is not the first time that fringe anti-vaccine conspiracy theorists have tried to intimidate government officials in this manner. I am sure that the vast majority of Albertans reject this kind of extremism. Ontario's cabinet met today to discuss implementing additional restrictions to try to stem the spread of infections. In neighboring Quebec, demonstrators took to the streets of Montreal last night, last night rather, to protest a curfew that went into effect on New Year's Eve. That province has also ordered grocery stores to close for the next three Sundays, a decision that's not going over well. Quebecers hoping to do their Sunday grocery shopping are out of luck. The government is forcing grocery stores across the province to close January 2nd, 9th and 16th. I think it's ridiculous. It would be terrible. <laughs> yeah. Essential stores including pharmacies, gas stations and depeners are the only places allowed to be open Sunday. Dog owners say one of the newest measures makes them feel caged in. Owners are no longer allowed to take their canine on a walk after 10 p.m., unlike the previous curfew. Obviously, I don't think that that's very smart. I mean, in the past, you were allowed to go one kilometer. Well, you can just pray that the dog can uh, cross their legs and keep it in. <laughs> after widespread criticism, Quebec plans to include dog walking on its list of curfew exceptions. A group of protesters against the curfew marched downtown Saturday night after it came into effect. Police say they handed out 57 tickets for violating the measure and one for assaulting a police officer. Quebec says the nightly curfew and other restrictions were brought back to limit contacts amid a surge of COVID-19 cases. On Sunday, the province reported 15,845 new cases in the past 24 hours, with a positivity rate of 30.9%. I think we have yet to actually see the peak of the Omicron variant. Um, when that peak happens remains to be seen. Dr. Labo says with people not wanting to wait in long testing lines and at-home rapid tests, the true number of cases is higher than what's being reported. The numbers can't continue to go up indefinitely because we will reach capacity. While he understands not everyone is thrilled with the new restrictions, the epidemiologist says if the government did nothing now, things would worsen and the healthcare system would be overwhelmed. Olivia O'Malley, Global News, Montreal. A stormy night of Shell's updated forecast just ahead. Plus, they have now met, and it was emotional. The Canucks staffer meets the med school student who saved his life. Welcome back. Yvonne Shell is here with the forecast. And we saw just a few minutes ago in the report from Amata Gahi in West Vancouver, that wind 
really gusting out there. Yvonne. Yeah, we're seeing some gusts between 15 up to 60. It's possible for 90 for a few areas. We've got wind warnings that will remain in effect for this evening. A winter wallop, however, this was for the Sea to Sky. A quick look at some of the numbers that we did see today. Whistler, 50 centimeters and counting, still an additional 10 and up to 15 centimeters as possible. Squamish seeing over 20 centimeters. Nanaimo for the island, upwards of 10. Campbell River and areas near West Vancouver seeing reports of up to 8 centimeters of snowfall. Here's the peak wind gusts and what we did see. So out of the airport, we have seen that gust over 60 to Wasson. It was overnight up to 70. Areas near Abbotsford and stretching in towards the Fraser Valley. A quick glance at what our current conditions are. We do have them out of the airport. Oh, that went a little bit too fast, but we are seeing those gusts right now up to 60 kilometers per hour. Areas into the Fraser Valley, upwards of 30. And areas near Seashelt right now with gusts just over 45 kilometers per hour. So we are watching. This is what we're anticipating. We're seeing the risk of freezing rain. That'll be for eastern areas extending in towards the Fraser Valley. We do have that snowfall, 5 and up to 10 centimeters as possible. Whistler 10 and 15, areas along the Fraser Canyon. The winds will continue gusty at times, and we're continuing to see it with gusts tomorrow up to 40 kilometers per hour. For the Kootenai, upwards of 20 centimeters. It's the Fraser Canyon, 15 and up to 25 centimeters. And the, the Arctic outflow warning, rather, for the north and central coast with the wind chills feeling into the minus 20s. The extreme cold is for Fort Nelson, minus 50. The Castier Mountains will see that range between minus 45 to minus 55. So we still have extreme cold, and that's along the northern half of the province. Now, the winds for tomorrow still sustain up to 20, but we're seeing those gusts closer to 40 kilometers per hour. And the snowfall, especially for the interior. A current look at what it looks like from Drive BC. This is Whistler right now. From the sea to sky, we could see that additional 10 and up to 15 centimeters. All other mountain passes for the interior, especially along the Kootenai Pass, will continue to see that snowfall heavy at times through the day tomorrow before it eases off towards the evening. So we still have a, a significant amount of snow that will be following t- falling towards the southern interior for the mountain passes. Now the central interior, 2 and up to 4 centimeters. Most areas near the valley bottoms for the southern interior between four and up to eight centimeters. We are continuing to see very windy conditions. That'll be along the south coast for all areas, especially for a few spots closer towards the water. We're changing over to rain on Tuesday, but tomorrow morning we still have the potential for some wet snowfall in the mix. And then a nice break, a bright spot will be on our Wednesday so far. Jordan? Yay for Wednesday. Thanks, Yvonne. You bet. A Canuck staffer who credits a Kraken fan for saving his life got to meet his hero and gift her something special at last night's game in Seattle. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Hi, it's so nice to meet you. Are you okay with shaking hands? Yes, okay? <laughs> Assistant Equipment Manager Brian Red Hamilton thanked Nadia Popovich at Climate Pledge Arena during the Kraken's first home game there last October. The young woman was sitting behind the bench and noticed a concerning mole on the back of Hamilton's neck. She went out of her way to alert him, typing a message on her phone and putting it up to the glass to show him there. Hamilton saw a doctor who confirmed he had malignant melanoma. The cancerous mole has since been removed. The Canucks put out a Twitter plea from Hamilton ahead of the Kraken rematch, and social media helped identify the hero he told his wife he just had to find. When you showed me your phone, I also <laughs> said today I felt terrible because I was kind of like... Okay. I like, thought you already knew about no, it. No, I didn't. And I was like, oh, no, he so, didn't want me to bring it up. <laughs> so I, but then the next day I woke up and, and then it, I said to Jess, like, it was your effort and your persistence and your, the fact that you just didn't write it 
on your phone, like you wrote it, the way you wrote it on your phone, I told Jess, like I owe it to this person so to sweet. to get checked. Like if she went this far, I don't know her. I don't know what she knows. I don't know anything about her. I need to get this checked. There's Nadia Popovich here tonight, uh, as she was. So the Canucks teamed up with the Kraken to award Popovich a $10,000 scholarship towards medical school on what she says was the best day of her life. She's also got the best toque I've ever seen. You see that? <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, fashionable. For sure. Barry Canucks on a bit of a break, but back in the win column. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, they, they love Seattle, obviously. That's mm. uh, two straight wins over the crack in there, so we'll take a look back. But uh, as you mentioned, another break because of COVID. A lot of the Canadian teams are postponing games right now because of the attendance restrictions, because they, of course, would like to have a full house later in the year. So maybe at least up to a six-day break for the Canucks. We'll address that and all sorts of uh, NFL, including what could be Russell Wilson's final home game as a Seahawk. Ah, all right. It's also coming up on the news hour, turning trash into treasure. I kind of had a Jerry Maguire moment. A BC man's inspiration for turning plastic waste into art. This is BC with Jay Durant, brought to you in part by Fortis BC, BC's energy solutions provider. Yesterday, Vancouver became just the latest Canadian city to ban single-use plastic bags. But a B.C. man has been doing his part to keep the bags out of the landfill for decades, while also showcasing his artistic abilities. Here's Jay Durant with tonight's This is B.C. For the past year, Roger Brennickmeyer has been turning people's trash into someone else's treasure, taking plastic bags in overwrap and creating beautiful pieces of art. So this amount of plastic turns into that. This environmentally conscious career is decades in the making. In the late 80s, Roger helped his high school launch its first recycling program. He ended up working in corporate communications, printing reports and brochures. That got him thinking about damage to the forests. And then something clicked. I kind of had a Jerry Maguire moment. This moment will be the moment of something real and fun and I said, you know what, I'm actually part of a problem here and not part of the solution. To date, Roger figures he saved about 150,000 plastic bags from the landfill. This installation at a senior's home in Richmond used about 18,000 bags. They get to go down to uh, breakfast every morning and look up and see a beautiful wisteria tree, knowing that their trash is actually part of that, um, that beautiful mosaic. Now, in partnership with Ocean Legacy, he's working on a new technique to turn bigger ocean plastics like fishing nets and crab baskets into art, hoping to inspire others to look at this type of business idea. Maybe they don't do art, but maybe they create uh, uh, plates or stools or, uh, or whatnot. Just as long as we are taking something that is uh, deemed landfill and transforming it into something that is beautiful, that is useful. Anyone ordering a piece can hand over their own plastic bags. If not, Roger still has so much to get through. We can actually create new product out of something that is going straight to the, to the garbage can. You know, building a little treasure out of a lot of trash. Jay Durant, Global News. If you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people need to know about, email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Barry DeLay has sports just ahead. 
Also still to come, it's been 25 years since the blizzard of 96. And tonight you'll meet someone who was born during that storm and hear about the tough task of getting her family to hospital in time. Join us in supporting British Columbians who need our help. Global BC, 980 CKNW, AM730 and Global Okanagan are partnering for BC Together in support of BC Flood Relief. Visit globalnews.ca slash bctogether to donate to an organization of your choice that are helping communities in need. Learn about the connection to the magnificent orca at the Royal BC Museum exhibit Orcas Our Shared Future. Dig into the science, popular culture and indigenous beliefs to gain a new appreciation of these sophisticated animals. If you want to know, it's on the hub. If you want to show, it's on the hub. If you want to go, it's on the Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. Very early, but so far, 2022 has been good to the Canucks, Barry. Yeah, that uh, last month of uh, 2021 wasn't so bad. Yeah. Thanks very much, Jordan. Well, Bruce, there he is, coming up over my shoulder, has done an amazing job as the Canucks head coach, 8-0-1 in nine games behind the bench. The Canucks are now just a couple of points out of a playoff spot, if you can believe it, but they have another big break this week. Their next scheduled game is Saturday at home to Ottawa, but that may still be postponed because of attendance restrictions. So they may not play again until January 11th when they start that tough road trip in Florida. Canucks have had six postponed games so far, but they do have that three weeks during the Olympics to make them up. Last night, they creeped over the 500 mark for the first time since late October. Now, the organist from the iconic movie Slapshot played the anthems last night. And did you know Bruce Boudreaux was actually in Slapshot as an opposition player who uh, scored goals against the Charleston Chiefs? And uh, just like Slapshot, a lot of physical play after the big hit. Uh, Tanner Pearson comes to the aid of Connor Garland, gets in a scrap, third period, 2-1 Canucks, and their fourth line comes through. Yuho Lamico and Matthew Highmore combined to set up Tyler Mott. Those fourth line goals, so precious. 3-1 Canucks, Seattle cut it to 3-2, but on the next shift, 46 seconds later, they get traffic in front. Connor Garland with the blast. Kraken considered challenging there for goalie interference, but didn't, so it stood 4-2. Then Tanner Pearson with the empty netter. He had the Gordie Howe hat-trick. That's a goal, an assist, and a fight, and the Canucks won 5-2. They move above 500 and into 11th in the West with 35 points, 8-0-1 under Bruce Boudreaux. When you can get all four lines scoring, I mean, that's, uh, that's music to a coach's ears. I mean, uh, it's uh, it's... It's balanced scoring, and it makes it difficult for other teams to play against you when everybody's scoring. I think it's pretty cool. Um, starting my career off, I probably would put more money on myself to get a hat trick before going to the house. So, um, but at the end of the day, to, to say you did it is, uh, you know, I think pretty cool. NHL tonight, former Canuck and current Calgary Flame, Chris Tanev playing career game number 600. Flames in Chicago, 1-0 Blackhawks, but the Flames tie it. Matthew Kachuk with his 14th off the nice feed from Johnny Gaudreau, 1-1 after one. Second period on the power play, Elias Lindholm with the quick release. That's his 12th, 2-1 Calgary, and then late second while shorthanded, Trevor Lewis is going to score 3-1 Flames. They go on for the 5-1 victory and Calgary now with 40 points, 10 games over 500. They've only played 30 games. Jets and Golden Knights from Las Vegas. Jets were down 2-0 after one, but they roared back with four straight goals. Andrew Kopp will score on his own rebound in front. 
That made it 4-2 Jets, but the Golden Knights got two from Matthias Janmark. The second coming with just nine seconds left tips home the point shot from Aldergrove's Shea Theodore, ties it at four, but in overtime, Kyle Connor, what a play, is 19th of the year, a brilliant solo dash and finish. Jets take it 5-4 in overtime, so they jump back ahead of the Canucks into 11th in the West. Ducks and Avalanche, Anaheim starting to fade a bit after a surprisingly strong start. Anaheim led the Avs 2-0 early, but Colorado playing its first game since December 16th. They had seven postponements due to COVID. Gabriel Landeskog ties it in the third on the power play, and then with just over a minute to go in regulation, three-on-one break, Nathan McKinnon to Logan O'Connor. 4-2 the final, Anaheim's fourth straight loss. The Ducks, a team the Canucks have their sights set on to catch in the standings. Western Hockey League, Vancouver Giants got a 4-3 overtime win just completed at Langley Event Center over Kelowna. Giants have struggled of late. They had lost nine of their past ten. With the Seahawks out of the playoffs, thoughts are certainly looking towards the future. And would this be Russell Wilson's final home game as Seahawks quarterback? It has been a glorious 10 seasons in Seattle for Wilson, but is it time to change things up? Wilson makes $35 million per season, and he is signed for two more years. Will they move him in the offseason? Does he want to move? He's got a no-trade clause, so it's up to him. I guess we'll find out some of those answers soon enough. Wilson and the Hawks taking on last place Detroit today. Rashad Penny had another great day. What a finish to the seasons he had. 170 yards rushing and two touchdowns, including this one. Seahawks jumped out 17-0 on the Lions. Russell got into the act late second. Nice touch pass here to DK Metcalf, 24-7 Seattle. And then a nice little... Pitch here to Tyler Lockett. That's an easy touchdown pass for Wilson. 31-7 at the half. Early third quarter after the Seahawks got an interception. DK Metcalf with another TD from Wilson. That's a great catch. That's vintage DK right there. 38-7. And in the fourth, Metcalf gets the hat trick. First three-touchdown game of his career. Seahawks win 51-29. Wilson had four touchdown passes on what could be his Lumen Field finale. Seattle wraps up its season next week at Arizona. Speaking of the Cardinals, they were in Dallas. Cards have struggled the past month or so, but Kyler Murray was more like his old self today. On fourth and goal, fakes the run and short little touchdown pass to Antoine Wesley, 13-7. Arizona led at halftime, third quarter, same combination. This one goes for 19 yards, and the Cardinals with a big 25-22 win against the Cowboys, and both of those teams at 11-5. L.A. Rams battling Arizona for the NFC West crown in Baltimore. Rams down five in the final minute, but Matthew Stafford to Odell Beckham Jr., who just gets the ball across the goal line. Touchdown, Rams. 20-19, 20-19, they're 12-4, and four, and they can clinch the NFC West with a win next week over the 49ers. Antonio Brown, that's Antonio Brown without his uniform, we are told, without his jersey. 
Bizarre scene with uh, Tampa Bay Bucks wide receiver Antonio Brown walked off the field during the Bucks game in New York against the Jets, apparently upset for being benched, threw a tantrum, walked off the field. Afterwards, head coach Bruce Arians said Brown is no longer a Buck. Not surprising. So many issues for this guy on and off the field. We'll see if that's it for his NFL career. Meanwhile, without Antonio Brown, the Bucks, well, they were just fine. They got Tom Brady. Final minute. Bucks down four, but Brady connects with Cyril Grace in a 33-yard touchdown with just 15 seconds to go, and the Bucks pull it out 28-24 to get to 12-4 and and to keep their faint hopes alive for the number one seed in the NFC, but it looks like it'll be Green Bay's to lose. Falcons and Bills from snowy Buffalo. Bills win, and they clinch a playoff spot in the AFC. Josh Allen threw three interceptions, but he also had a couple of touchdown runs. Bills win 29-15, so they're in the postseason. They improve to 10-6. and if they beat the Jets next week, they clinch the AFC East and a home playoff game. And a wild one between the Chiefs and Bengals. Kansas City led 14 by 14 a couple of times, but Joe Burrow threw for over 400 yards and four touchdowns, including this 69-yarder to Jamar Chase, who's got to lead the league in long touchdown catches. Bengals actually went for it on fourth and goal late in the game with it tied. They got stopped, were bailed out by a Chiefs penalty, and then settled for the game-winning field goal to clinch the AFC North. 34-31 the final. They're 10-6, the Chiefs 11-5. Some NBA, the Raptors and Knicks, no fans at Scotiabank Arena, but the Raps finally fully healthy after injuries and COVID. They took it to the Knicks, who did not have their top scorer, Julius Randle, who's on the COVID list. Kem Birch, the Canadian, back in the lineup after missing 16 games with a knee injury. Big jam there from Fred Van Vliet. Pascal Siakam just a rebound short of a triple-double. He had 20 points, and uh, Toronto was never in danger. Van Vliet led the Raps with a game-high 35, including seven three-pointers. Raptors put up 40 in the third and blow out the Knicks 120-105. They're now 16-17 on the season. Some English Premiership, Chelsea and Liverpool, in what turned out to be a fantastic match. Ninth minute, Sadio Mane gives Liverpool the jump, settles it, and then Cooley knocks it in the net to make it 1-0 for the visitors. 26th minute, Liverpool back for more. Trent Alexander-Arnold with the nice service for Mo Salah with another beauty there. Reds up 2-0, but in the 42nd minute, Chelsea come to life. Free kick is punched out by the keeper. Mateo Kovacic doesn't even settle it. That is one heck of a volley by Kovacic, post and in. Lead cut to 2-1, and they weren't done before the half's over. Christian Pulisic, the American full head of steam, and that's a beautiful touch at that speed. Four great goals, it ends 2-2, but Man City's running away with it. 10-point lead on Chelsea, 11 over Liverpool. And quite the weekend for Canada's Christine De Bruin. Yesterday, she won gold in mono sleigh in uh, the monobob. Today, with her partner, Kristen Bujnowski, they captured bronze. Women's sliding team dealing with COVID earlier in the week. They were in first with a couple of sleds to go, ended up finishing third, fourth time. They've been on the podium, and with those Olympics coming up, do you believe they are just over a month away? And wow. That's it for sports. All right, up next, a wild story of early labor and delivery during the blizzard of 96. Stay with us.
New Year's Eve was a subdued affair for many British Columbians as we paid farewell to a tough 2021. But perhaps no one was more eager to enjoy the day than a woman who was marking 25 years since her dramatic entry into the world. Global's Paul Johnson explains. For me, it's definitely been more of a legend than anything because I really like I was there, but I wasn't. Wandering through the images of her past, Chilliwack's Leslie Campbell has a quintessentially Canadian birth story, the kind of adventure that many British Columbians can now relate to. What had happened is there was this gigantic snowstorm of 96. The town was basically shut down. We lived in Boston Bar. The Great Blizzard of 96. It blanketed the South Coast region in several feet of snow. In Boston Bar, it was a scramble to dig out and reconnect with the rest of the province. There's almost two to three feet of snow. A young Jazz Johal was reporting from the scene. Who could forget that? And the situation made some of life's urgent events particularly perilous. So the highway was shut down. People couldn't get out either way. And there, all of a sudden, my mom goes into labor 10 days early, and we couldn't do anything about that, I guess. There's no hospital in Boston Bar, and while a chopper was called for, even that was a challenge. So eventually, a helicopter was called. We loaded up in the helicopter. They had to dig a path in six feet of snow from our house to the highway where the helicopter was able to land. So Campbell was born in Chilliwack on New Year's Eve 25 years ago. Mom, Mariah Adams, never connected with that flight crew again, but has this to say in case any of them are watching. That storm was crazy. And just to thank you and keep doing what you do, you guys are awesome. Nearly 25 years later, British Columbians watched as a different kind of weather event cut off many communities from the rest of the province. You can bet we'll be talking about the human stories from that disaster decades from now as well. So that kind of stuff is, it's a reality every year, whether it's as big of a snowstorm as 96 is or not. Paul Johnson, Global News. Incredible and a belated happy birthday to Leslie. <laughs> The weather is not incredible, Yvonne. No, we're still seeing some active weather. The big concern, especially this evening for the Fraser Valley, Chilliwack and extending in towards Hope, a freezing rain warning has been issued. All areas across Metro Vancouver could still see a bit of wet snowfall for the early morning hours. We're tracking rain. A nice bright spot will come on our Wednesday. Good to hear. Thanks for joining us on this Sunday News Hour. We're back at 11. Hope to see you then. Good night.